I'm here to teach this evening. And uh, so my topic I want to talk to you about is why we need the body of Christ. Why we need the body of Christ. And before I actually go to my first point, if you could just, if you have your Bibles, if you could just turn with me to 1 Samuel 23, because there's a couple of things that I want to look at there. So I'm just going to have you turn there if you have your Bible. First Samuel chapter 23. And while you turn, I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you just for your goodness, God. And I, I thank you that all of our testimony is, Lord, is, we just stand by. Lord, by the grace of God, we stand. Lord, we've, none of us has walked this walk perfectly. We've all had our times of failure and sin and mistakes and feebleness and frailties. But God, your hand has always been there to pull us up. God, that crucified hand, that grace-filled hand. And Lord, we just thank you, Lord, as Pastor Carter mentioned this morning, for the generosity of your hand, Lord. Where would any of us be not for the generosity of your hand, God? And I just pray the thoughts that you put on my heart tonight about the importance of being plugged into the body of Christ, the importance of being plugged into a church, God, Lord, that you would just establish these truths in our hearts, Lord. And I just thank you for the family of God. Lord, where would we be without the family of God? I thank you for your people. I thank you for my precious brothers and sisters in the Lord and everything that they have meant to my walk with God. I thank you, Lord. And we give you glory and honor, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I want to go right to my first point. My first point is simply, as Christians, people, we need the body of Christ. We need the body of Christ. And there are many New Testament examples that I could give of this, but one of my favorites is actually found in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 16, says, and Jonathan arose and went to David into the woods and strengthened his hand in God, which actually leads me to my next slide. So as we go to slide number two, God has designed the body of Christ to be a major strength in our lives. You know, when we are plugged into the body of Christ, God's designed the body of Christ to be such a source of grace, such a source of strength, such a source of encouragement in our lives. And if you would allow me, I would like to explain it. I would like to explain it this way. You know, many of us are familiar with David's story. We know that David is servant to King Saul. And under the reign of Saul, God begins to use David in a very great way. And as you know the story, Saul becomes very jealous of David. And he actually tries to kill David a couple of times. And after a couple of attempts had been made on his life, David finally feels the need to run for his life. And he, the Bible says that he runs into a wilderness. And, you know, we could ask the question, why is David hiding in the wilderness? And we would think, well, we just know the obvious answer because we just read it in the story. It's in David's story. The obvious answer is because Saul is trying to kill David. That's why he went running into the wilderness. But to be honest with you, the obvious answer is not the correct answer. That is really not why David is running in the wilderness. He's in the wilderness because he's a future king in training. Yeah. 
That's why he's in the wilderness. You know, God is using Saul to bring David into the wilderness, but as a future king in training, there's just a few things that he needs to be schooled in. And the wilderness is God's chosen schoolhouse because there are just some things in your Christian walk you can't learn except in the wilderness. So that is why he is there. And before I actually get to my main point, there's just a couple of things that, that I want to, to look at here about lessons that David learned in the wilderness. So in the wilderness, David learned, number one, he learned the supernatural preservation of God. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 23. Look with me at verse 14. It says, And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but, but captured this part. But God did not deliver him into the hand of Saul. So in 1 Samuel... In the wilderness, we see that David is learning that in my most vulnerable places, in my most weak places, in my most defenseless places, it's God's power that's keeping me. And what I want us to recognize is up to this point, David was always a man on the offense. He was a man of action. He was always on the offensive. Up to this point, he, was, uh, he, was, he took the offensive against the lion and the bear. He took the offensive against Goliath. He took the offensive against the Philistines' army. He was a man always on the offensive. But what do you do when you're in a place where you're so weak you have no offensive? What do you do when you're in a place where you're so weak and you're so vulnerable and you absolutely have no defense? So David is learning in the wilderness, when I have absolutely no defense, God is my defense. That's what he's learning in the wilderness. You know, a few years ago in my devotions, I read Isaiah 41, 14, which says, Fear not, thou worm Jacob, I will help you. And I really began to thank God because I really felt I was in worm weariness. Can we call it that? Worm weariness? I was just in a place where, oh God, I feel so weak and I feel so incapable and I just so feel so out of strength. But I thank you that you are my strength. You are my help. Well, later that morning, Pastor Teresa, I ran into Pastor Teresa and she said, how are you doing, Pastor Tim? And I said, I have learned to be a worm. That's how I'm doing. And she gave me that odd look that some of you are giving me now. So let me just explain what I mean. I've learned that when I don't have no strength, God has become my strength. You see, the thing about a worm is a worm is so strengthless, it doesn't have any strength to defend itself. So you can just step on a worm and squash it. And I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I have learned that when I don't have a defense, that's when God becomes my defense. And that is what David is learning. David is learning how to be a man who finds his refuge in God. Listen, we can sing about God is my refuge, God is my refuge, but you never really learn in your heart that God is your refuge until you've been into some trials and some battles and some difficulties. That's where you learn to find refuge in God. Secondly, David has learning in the wilderness. He's learning how to be a very tender leader. Look with me at verse 15. I'm sorry, verse 14. Look with me at verse 14. It says, And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. So it says that David was in the wilderness in the mountains of Ziph. 
And here's what I want you to, to know. That word ziph, the mountains of ziph, that actually comes from the Hebrew word, which means to soften, to tenderize. So David is being prepared to be a king, but he's not just learning to become a king. He's learning to be a shepherd king. He's learning to be a king with a shepherd's heart. And look with me again at verse 14. It says, And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. And it says, Saul sought him every day. Everybody say every day. Every day. So in other words, that means every day of his life, he found himself under tremendous pressure. Every day of his life, Saul was hounding him, and, and he was just one step away from death. So we see that in the wilderness, God put David in the pressure cooker. Amen. Have you ever been there? I, I've been there. <laughs> you know, shortly after I was married, I told my wife, after we were married, I told my wife, I'm going to buy a fry daddy, because I'm a southern boy, and I love southern food, and there just has this little, little uh uh, griller, I guess, and it was called a fry daddy. And I said, I'm going to buy a fry daddy because I love southern food. I mean, what southern doesn't love southern food? And I have to say, just recently, I really fell in love with my Mexican brothers and sisters <laughs> because I went to a Mexican restaurant the other day and I found out they even invented a way to fry ice cream. So... <laughs> people after my own heart. So I told, I told my wife, I said, listen, I'm going to buy a fry daddy. And you know what she said to me? She said, you're not going to bring that in here. That stuff will kill you. <laughs> she said, you'll have a heart attack by the time you're 40. You can't bring that in the house. But, so she didn't let me have a fry daddy, but it was all right to have a, uh, a pressure cooker. I never bought one, but it's all right to have one. But you know what I found out? I, I found out when you place something in a pressure cooker, you know what it does? It tenderizes. That's the purpose of a pressure cooker. And so there are just going to be times that we find ourselves in really pressure situations. But number one, God's not going to let you be overwhelmed by the pressure. He's always going to have a grace. He's always going to have a strength to, uh, to stand under the pressure. But he's doing a work. And what he's doing is he's tenderizing that heart. He's, he, he's putting gentleness and compassion in that heart. And I have to tell you, if there's one quality in our life the devil's terrified of, it is tenderness. It is compassion. Please don't ever mistake tenderness with weakness. It is the power of God to make great men and women of God. <laughs> David said it best in his word. He said, it's the gentleness of God that makes men great. God's power to make great men and women of God is in his gentleness. And that's a very important element we need in our life. But now let me get to my main point. What else did David learn in the wilderness? Look with me at verse 16 and 17. It says, Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be the next king in Israel. So point two is simply this. David learned the vitalness of drawing strength from the people of God. You know, in his time of hiding, Jonathan became a tremendous source of encouragement and strength to David. And here's the point that I want us to understand. You know, this happened very shortly after David's victory against Goliath. And what we have to understand is when David fought Goliath and killed Goliath, David was all alone. David killed Goliath all by himself. 
the people of God, the army of Saul, they were very fearful. They were hiding. So David had to go in the valley all by himself and kill the giant all by himself. So when David killed Goliath, when he picked up that head of the giant in his hand, it would have been very easy for a mindset to get into David's heart. That mindset being simply this, I have God, I don't need nobody else. Been very easy for him to carry that head across the valley floor and this mindset get into his heart. Listen, if I have God, I don't need anyone else. Just me and God, we're enough to do this alone. But he learned in the wilderness that there are just some battles, some trials you go in that you can't do it alone. And David learned how to value his brother in Christ. He learned how to value his brother in Christ. And you know, it reminds me of a very important New Testament scripture, and that's going to be slide four. The scripture that comes to my mind is Hebrews 10, 25, where God says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together with the body of Christ. So that's a command from the Lord. Hebrews 25, he says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And can I put it in today's terms? Here's what the Lord is saying. He's saying, you're not to forsake going to church. You're not to forsake being plugged into the body of Christ. The things that you're facing in your generation, the sin, the depravity, the deception, the apathy, the indifference, the culture, no fear of God, the blasphemy of God, facing all these things, you're going to need each other. If you're going to stay strong in faith, if you're going to stay strong in your beliefs, strong in your God-given convictions, strong in your sacrificial love for others in a world that only thinks of itself, you're going to need each other. That's what the Lord is saying. He's saying if all you care about is living a half-hearted life for God, filled with worldliness and compromise, this ain't going to mean much to you. But if you want to grow strong in your love for God, strong in your love for others, and strong in your faith, you have to stay plugged into the body of Christ because that is the place where you're going to find the strength to be encouraged and exhort one another in your Christian faith. Amen. The Lord is saying you're not to forsake this assembling. You're not to disconnect yourself from the brother in Christ. Because facing what you're facing, you're going to need each other if you're going to continue to grow and become stronger. And then he says in verse 25, he says, after he, the command not to forsake yourself as others have done this. Then he says, as so much the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, he's saying the closer the day approaches, the more you're going to need each other. That is what the Lord is saying. So what approaching day is he talking about? And so much more as you see the day approaching. What approaching day is he talking about? He's talking about the return of Christ. And what the writer is strongly saying is this. The closer we get to the coming of Christ, the more we're going to need the body of Christ. The closer we get to the coming of Christ, the more we're going to need to be plugged into the body of Christ. You know, the days are only going to get eviler and eviler and, and facing the things that you're facing, you're going to need the body of Christ more than you've ever needed it before. That's what the Lord is saying. He's saying if you're going to be strong in faith, strong in, in the grace of God, strong in the sacrificial love that's to mark, mark the people of God, so much depends on staying plugged into the body of Christ because that is where you're going to grow. That is where you're going to become strong. That's the way that God designed the church. Now, why do I say these things? Because I'm shocked by how many Christian people are becoming so indifferent in their attitude toward church. 
I'm shocked by it. You know, so many Christians, you know, they just see church as an option. Have you ever noticed that? They just see going to church as an option. The days that I feel like going, I'll go. And if I don't feel like going, I'm not going to go. They just make church an option in their life. You know, you know, if I feel like going, I'll get up and go. And if I don't feel like going, I won't get up and go. Church is just one of those take it or leave it kind of things. And there's no commitment in their life because they either don't realize the importance of being plugged into the body of Christ. Or they're just ignoring the importance of being in the body of Christ. You know, I've heard so many people say, I don't need church to walk with God. I don't need church fellowship to walk with God. Have you ever heard somebody say that? We all have. I don't need church to walk with God. I don't need church to have fellowship with God. I don't need to go to church to worship God. But can I, can I just tell you something with love in my heart? You can see their lack of church life because their walk with God is so shallow. It's so shallow. You can see it. Well, I can tell you have no church life with God because your faith is shallow. Your Christian character is shallow. What you believe is shallow. Your Christian faith is shallow. Listen, it's impossible to, be, to become a mature man or woman of God without being plugged into the body of Christ. Amen. 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 Either say amen or oh me. He's talking about me. Amen. Here's what we have to understand. Point three. God's design. And here's how he designed the church. What we become, we become together. What we become, we become together. Ephesians chapter two, verse 19 says, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And I really want to emphasize that. And of the household of God. So let me explain it this way. Slide six. When we are saved, we have a new family. And that is the body of Jesus Christ. You know, when when someone trusts in Christ and we get saved, we are immediately ushered into a new family. That's, That's the body of Christ. Listen, we don't just receive a new father, God. We receive a new family, the body of Christ. He is our father, but we are family. And the way God has designed this, the way he has designed this, is that the desire of his heart is that as a family, we are growing closer in community. We are growing closer in fellowship. We are growing closer, that we are just a Christian community that's growing more and more in love and in fellowship together. Listen, as a family, God desires that his people are always moving toward each other in communion and fellowship. And Jesus has moved all the barriers so that we can be a people who love one another. We can be a people who worship together. We can be a people who serve together. We can be a people who fellowship together. And listen, if you isolate yourself from the body of Christ, you are cutting off God's grand design. Amen. 
That's his design. Listen, I, I've removed every barrier. I removed every obstacle. Now you are a people you can worship together. You can fellowship together. You can break the bread of my word together. You can serve together. There's nothing that can stop you from walking in unity and growing in community. That's what God is saying. And he's saying if you cut yourself off from the body of Christ because of your arrogant attitude. Can I say that? I've been preaching here long enough. Let me say that. <laughs> If we isolate ourselves from the body because of our arrogant attitude, you are negating his whole design for the church. Amen. Amen. And God places us into this family to change us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That this fellowship of Christian community is a very big part of God's plan to transform us into the image of Christ. Being plugged into the body of Christ, the church, is a very important part of the transforming process in our life. In other words, here's what I'm saying. We can't become everything God intends for us to become without being plugged into the body of Christ. Did you hear me? We can't reach the fullest potential that we can become in Christ's likeness unless we're Unless we're plugged into the body of Christ. That's the way God designed it. How did God design his church? What you become, you will become together. As you're plugged into the body, as you're walking in love and fellowship together, as you're serving together, what you become, you will become together. Amen. Point four. God's people are the strongest when they are united together. God's people are the strongest when we are united together. Could you go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4? A few scriptures I want to look at in there. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. You have Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon. And then we move into Ecclesiastes. I'm sorry, it's Ecclesiastes then Song of Solomon. So we have Psalms. We have Proverbs. And then we have Ecclesiastes. Go with me, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. <clears throat> Let's start with verse 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Verse 9. It says two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. Again if two lie down together they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand, and a threefold cord is not easily, quickly broken. And what I love about these, these four verses is that when you really look at them, they really reveal the strength of being unified with the body of Christ. When you really look at these verses, they really talk about the strength of walking in unity and being unified with the body of Christ. So let's break these verses down. Look with me at verse 9. He says, two are better than one because they have good reward. They have good reward for their labor. And what the Lord is saying is this is he's saying, you are most productive when you are united with the body of Christ. You are most fruitful 
when you are united with the body of Christ. Two are better than one that they produce a better harvest. And when you really look at it with new covenant eyes, he's talking about the, the productiveness of the church, the body of Christ. You know, I, I've heard people say these words. I don't need to be plugged into a church to have a ministry. I've heard people say that. I don't need to be plugged into a church to have a ministry. But what the Lord is saying is, is when you adopt that kind of mindset and attitude, you're going against God's very design for the church. Because when you're plugged into a corporate church, that is when your ministry is most productive. It's when it's most fruitful. Amen. And can I just be honest with you? The reason why so many desire ministries outside the church is because they just don't want to come under authority. That's one of the big reasons. I just don't want to deal with all this authority stuff. Coming under authority. You know, and, and, but I just have to tell you, listen, God's kingdom principle is this. You have authority only as you come under authority. That's his kingdom principle. You have authority only as you come under authority. You know, I, th I think so many, you know, we, we put on this great big spiritual posture and this great big spiritual air, especially when we're praying. And we pray prayers like this. In the name of Jesus, I bind you, Satan. Right? And then we quote scriptures at him. Whatsoever is bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever is loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. But can I tell you something? Satan's sitting there laughing at us. <laughs> he's laughing at us because this is what he's thinking. Why should I respect your authority when you don't respect the authority of your spiritual leadership? Why should I respect your authority? You can't cast down rebellion with rebellion. Amen. And that's why you, there's just so many that just have this mindset. And I know what I'm talking about because I had somebody look me in the face and tell me that. You know, I'm tired of all this authority stuff. I don't need to be under a church covering to be in ministry according to the Bible. Yes, you do. That's when you're most productive is when you're plugged into the corporate body of Jesus Christ. Look at me at verse 10. For if they, say, if, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Listen, let me just say this as humbly as I can. Not all of us fall back into sin. Not every Christian who walks with God backslides. Let me just say it that way. But I think there's one thing we all do fall into, and that is discouragement. There are times we all fall into discouragement. And this is why it's so important to be plugged into the body of Christ because there's just an anointing God puts upon the body of Christ to encourage us when we're discouraged. You know, when, when we fall into discouragement and disheartment, there is just an anointing God puts upon us. And as we love one another and exhort one another in the promises of God, you know, there's an anointing to pick us up and lift us up when we're in that place of discouragement. And let me just say this, isolation is a dangerous thing. When we isolate ourselves from the body of Christ, it is a dangerous thing. You know, I was watching a documentary not long ago. It's a documentary on gazelles. <sighs> gazelles, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I was watching the documentary because there wasn't really much, nothing else to watch. So I thought I'd watch these gazelles. And what I saw about these gazelles is, is uh, in one of the... Uh, moments 
I was watching this documentary. Suddenly these lions begin to circle these gazelles. And, and God put a defense mechanism in these gazelles. And what happens is when lions circle a herd of gazelles, what they do is they form this wall, this, this wall circle with their horns pointed out. And so now you've got these, this wall of horns that these lions aren't able to penetrate. So you know what the lions began to do? They couldn't penetrate through the horns. You know what they began to do? They began to roar. They began to roar really, really loud. They began to roar. And lo and behold, you know what happened? One of these little gazelles panicked and he ran from the herd. He ran from the herd. Oh, it was so sad. I, I felt so sorry for the gazelle. Because you know what happened? The moment he ran from the herd, well, you get the picture. The lions trounced on him and ate him. And ate him. And here's my whole point. Here's the point I'm making. The, the devil's greatest desire is to separate you from the body. Because he knows once he separates you from the body, it is open season. He knows that. And I have to tell you something. For a lot of us, this takes grace. Because me, by nature, I'm an isolationist. That's who I am by nature. Listen, when I'm going through a battle, when I'm going through a trial, I don't want nobody to call me. Please don't come knock on my door and say, can I pray for you, Pastor Tim? I know that sounds terrible. But I'm an isolationist by nature. When I'm going through trials and problems and struggles, listen, I just want to be alone. That's how I am. But the Lord had to teach me, Tim, when you're going through battles and struggles and storms, that's when you need the body of Christ the most. Amen. And I'm just telling you, if you're an isolationist like me, them are the times you really have to receive grace and say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not shutting myself away from the body of Christ. This is when I need the body of Christ the most. And you got to receive that grace and just go plug into a place of fellowship with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because I'm telling you, when you isolate yourself, it is open season on your spiritual life. We need the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Look with me at verse 11. It says, again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Let me explain it this way. You know, I already said I'm from the South and we love barbecue where I'm from. All of us, we have an outside barbecue grill. And if you're barbecuing, if you take one lump of coal and set it by itself, it cools off rather quickly. But if you take that same lump of coal and if you place it with another lump of coal, coal is designed to generate heat. So when you're lumping coal together, what you're simply doing is you're generating heat. And this is how God designed the body of Christ. In other words, when I'm plugged into the body of Christ, your faith is generating faith in me. When I'm plugged into the body of Christ, your love for God is generating a love for God in my heart. When I'm plugged into the body of Christ, your love for people is generating a love for people in me. Listen, the grace in your life changing you is generating a change in my life. That is the way God has designed the church. When I'm plugged into his body, you know, the, the faith that's being worked into your life is generating faith in me. That's the way God has designed the body of Christ. And look with me at verse 12. It says, though one may be overpowered by another, 
two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. A threefold cord is not easily broken. You know, I was talking to a man who, who used to be in the Navy. And he worked with a lot of ropes. And he said, if you take one rope and join it with a second rope, it's twice as strong. But if you add a third rope to these two ropes, it becomes 10 to 15 times as strong. And here's the thought that, you know, the Lord put in my heart. Listen, the first rope is me. The second rope is God. And the third rope is the body of Christ. And when you're united with God and you're united with his body, you become that three cord that can't easily be broken. Amen. I'm telling you, we are at our strongest when we are united together as a church family. Amen. We need the body of Christ. So according to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 19 through 12, we are most productive. We are most encouraged. We are most transformed. We are most strengthened when we are plugged into the body of Christ. Beloved, we need the body of Christ. Amen. 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 Now I want to end with this thought. Can you go with me to the book of Colossians chapter 3? Go with me to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Then we have Colossians. Look with me at verse 11. Paul is talking about the church. The body of Christ. And he says in verse 11. He says where there is neither Greek nor Jew. Circumcised nor circumcised. Barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free. But Christ is all and in all. So he's talking about church. And he's saying church community is a church where there's no dividing walls. There's no longer, there's no longer slave nor free nor circumcised nor uncircumcised nor Greek nor Jew. There's no longer any dividing walls. We are one in the body of Christ. You know, there's no division between us. You know, Jesus has made us one family. There's no dividing walls. But I want you to think about, I want you to think about everything these people were going to have to work through. I mean, these people, they were going to have to work through prejudice. They were going to have to work through bigotries. They were going to have to work through offenses. They were going to have to work through all these things. I mean, you got Jews and Greeks trying to be in a church together, right? And we got barbarians and Scythianians, and, and, and they were totally opposite in culture. So, you know, there was a lot of things these people had to work through. They had to work through their prejudice. They had to work through bigotries. They had to work through offenses. So Paul knew it was going to take much grace. So look what he said in verse 12 and 13. He says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved... Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a a complaint against one another. So hear what Paul is saying. He's saying if church community is going to work. I mean, if church community is going to thrive, 
then it's going to require humbleness. It's going to require patience. It's going to require forgiving. He's saying, listen, this church community with all the differences and the things that you have to work through, he's saying community will not survive. It will not thrive without patience and forgiveness with one another. Amen. I'm telling you, if we're going to be plugged into the body and we're going to, to walk with one another, you know what? We're going to have to walk with one another in patience. We're going to have to walk with one another in forgiveness. You know, Paul said here, he said, forbearing with one another. You know what forbearing with one another means? It means, listen, when you're walking with certain people, they're just going to rub you the wrong way. <laughs> they're going to rub you the wrong way. Your personalities aren't going to click. They're going to rub you the wrong way, but you have to walk in humility and patience and long suffering with them. If church community is going to work. And I guess this is the reason why I'm bringing this up. This is one of the reasons why so many who call themselves by the name of God, they just don't want to plug into a church. They don't want to be committed to church because I don't want to have to deal with all this forgiveness stuff. I don't want to have to deal with all this patience stuff. I don't want to have to deal with people hurting my feelings and offending my pride. I don't want to deal with all that stuff. So I don't need church to worship God. But can I say to you, the way God designed his church, there's not a deeper place of growth than when you're having to deal with people. There's not a deeper place of transformation than having to walk alongside people and learning to love people and forgive people and be patient with people. There's not a greater place of growth than that. And I don't know about you, but I think my greatest desire is to just love God more and to become more like Jesus. And if I'm going to love God more and become more like Jesus, I've got to walk with his body. I've got to be plugged into his body. I've got to have a church that I call my church. Amen. I've heard people say, I can't find a good church anywhere. Well, you don't have that problem, do you? I can go into that whole thing about I can't find a good church anywhere. I got to be honest with you. I'm not totally convinced of that. Usually when people say I can't find a good church, what they're simply saying is I can't find a church that does things the way I like them to be done. That's usually what they're saying. But I'm not going to go in all that. I'm just going to say you don't have that problem because you got a wonderful church. Amen. You got a wonderful church. We need each other. We need each other. Would you stand with me? Please stand with me. Here, here's my altar call. I, I do want to give an altar call. And I want you to hear me because I'm saying it with so much love and grace in my heart. I, I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to struggle. I struggle in, in so many areas, but God is so gracious to give me grace. So I, I'm, just, I'm saying this with all the humility and kindness in my heart. There is no condescending in my heart whatsoever. 
But I, I want to make an altar call for people who just struggle with their church life. You know, Pastor Tim, that's me. I struggle with my commitment to church. Sometimes I'm there. Sometimes I'm not there. You know, because of the struggles that I have, I, I've just made church one of those things that is an option. But, but hearing the revelation from the word of God, I, I realize I need the body of Christ. I need a strong church life. I need to plug into a church. Times Square Church is a church that God has set before me. It's a wonderful church where I can grow. It's a wonderful church that's the people are just very loving and supporting. And I just really need God to help me commit to, to my church. God, I really need your grace. God, when I'm discouraged, it's so easy to just put the covers over my head on a Sunday morning and say, I'm going to stay in bed. But oh God, I'm just asking you. This is a wonderful church. It's a place of support and, and encouragement and comfort. And I really want to plug into the body that you have provided for me. So God, I'm asking you, I'm asking you for grace to really plug into my church and to grow and to become everything that you want me to become. I'm praying that with a very humble heart. So if that is you, while the band plays, if you would just like me to just pray with you, oh God, would you just help me? Would you help me? If you would like me to pray with you, I would love to pray with you. As the band plays, if you would just like prayer, I would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just... I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for the honesty in their hearts, God. God, we all have places in our life where we struggle. We all have places in our life where we battle. You know, my struggles may not be their struggles and places where they struggle. I may not struggle very much, but we all have them, God. And Lord, they're, they're confessing, God, that their church life is just a place that they really struggle, God. And Lord, I pray that you would help them. I thank you, first of all, for giving them the revelation that you need the body of Christ. You need your church body. That's the way I designed it. You're at your strongest when you're plugged in. You're at your most fruitful. You live most transformed when you're plugged into the body. And I thank you for the revelation that you brought to their heart and to stir a, a greater desire to be part of the body. Lord, I pray that you would just give them the grace that they need to be that committed, committed to their church, God, committed to their church, being part of their church, God. And Lord, I, I just pray that as they plugged in here at Times Square, they would find all the encouragement they need. They would find all the love that they need. They would find all the acceptance that they need. God, that they would find all the grace that they need, God. I pray that they would find a people who would very quickly rally around them and say, let's walk this journey together, my brother. Let's walk this journey together, my sister. When you fall, I will be there to pick you up. And when I'm discouraged, you will be there to encourage me. 
We need each other, my precious brother. We need each other, my precious sister. So let's join ranks together. Let's join arms together. And let's make this journey together. And what we become, we're going to become together. And I just thank you, Lord. And I give you glory. Jesus, it's your grace. It is your strength. Thank God for the grace of God. Thank God when we get to heaven, our only boast is going to be, it was grace from the beginning. It's grace from the ending. It's all the grace of God. My only boast is in the grace of God. Lord, we just thank you. We just thank you. Oh, God, thank you, Lord.